I just want to open up with prayer and let the Spirit guide this morning. Father, we see you. When we see you, uh, we see the Father. And so would you remove the veil of religiosity that has hindered us from appreciating the joyfulness of Jesus? Show us that you are happy, that you are playful, and that you do have a sense of humor and that you like to surprise people and you live with a spirit of fun and an adventure. And Father, you dwell within us. Let us be captivated this morning with maybe just one thing, but let us just be playful this morning and enjoy this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you imagine Jesus smiling? Can you, can you imagine him laughing? Can you imagine him enjoying a casual time with his buddies called the disciples? For centuries, the artists have painted Jesus without a smile. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. And I, I really never saw Jesus laugh in a painting or a picture until in my young adulthood. Isn't, isn't that crazy? But let me tell you something even crazier. When I saw that picture, I mean, it resonated. It brought joy to me. But it also, I also thought, you know, this is not sacred. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that silly? Because in my mind, I thought of Jesus always serious and not laughing and not smiling. That's sad. And so... That's why this, this, the playfulness of Jesus is important, and I want to just look at that just very, very briefly. But I do appreciate the, the artists today, the, uh, some of the pastors, some of the preachers, some of the um, authors that write book. They're putting in a little bit more of the playfulness of Jesus. I love the fact that movie producers are now uh, producing films that have Jesus with a sense of humor, a sense of surprise, maybe. And as I was thinking through this message, my mind went to a lot of different characters in my own life. I've met a lot of funny people in my life, and uh, one of them was John. And he was my hunting buddy from uh, Idaho, and he was a funny guy. And Larry, John, and I would do a lot of hunting uh, together, and we would end up just laughing. Now, we never caught anything because of that, I think. But he was so funny. When we would start bugling in an elk, he would be behind me, and he'd get so excited of an elk coming up that his timing of bugling would be so off that we would just start laughing. I can't tell you the stories because if you're not a hunter, you're not going to get it. Or if you weren't there, you're not going to get it. But we laughed so hard so many times that your, your stomach just ached. John is what you would call a sanguine. And a sanguine is someone, he could just walk into a room and you just start laughing just because he's Johnny, okay? You may understand the word sanguine or you may not understand the word sanguine. There was a, a uh, uh, Greek physician 
and his name was Hippocrates. And he coined that name, Sanguine, in 400 B.C. And he described four different personalities. You had the choleric, you had the sanguine, you had the um, melancholy and the phlegmatic. And uh, we're going to show this picture just a little bit later, Abby. So um, there was, and, and the reason of this picture is, it's because there was some authors back in the 80s uh, who resurrected these four personalities that Hippocrates had researched and wrote down. And so uh, Gary Smalley and John Trent, they wrote a book entitled The Two Sides of Love. And they researched these four personalities and they attached an animal to each of these personalities. Hippocrates said that we have a mixture of all of these, all of these four. And, uh, but there's one that's dominant, but we actually have all four. And Smalley and Trent began to attach these animals to make it more personal. And, and through their writings, other researchers, other psychologists, people who like this kind of stum- stuff began to create tests and personality tests, and it, it was a big deal in the 80s. So many years ago, uh, I remember growing up with these four personalities and, and whatnot. But here's, here's a, an, an example of the four and the four animals that are attached to this. And there is going to be a point, hopefully, but I'm going to play with you this morning too, okay? This is a playful Sunday. The, the first one is choleric, which is a lion. And this... They are leaders. The cleric is a leader, and they are decisive. Uh, they don't, they're not like me. They're, they're not just humming around and, well, let me think about it for three or four days. If you know me, it takes me a long time to make a decision. These folks are decision makers. They're decisive. They're competitors, folks who are in charge of a situation. The other one is an otter, which is a sanguine. The otter, they're more fun-loving. They're entertainers. They're enthusiastic. And so when they read something in a book and and something new comes to them, they get all excited and everybody else is, yeah, so, you know, that's pretty exciting. But for the sanguine, he gets pretty excited about stuff like that. They're the otter. They like to have fun. The other one is a golden retriever. And this is the phlegmatic. This is the loving type person, the nurturing type person. They're good listeners. They're warm. And then you've got the beaver, which is the melancholy. And these are the people that are detailed. Usually they end up engineers or they end up accountants. Details matter to the beaver, to the melancholy. Okay. I don't know if you've ever heard of these, but and we're not going to do a, a big discussion on them. I just want to show you that... There's different personalities. Now, let's take these four personalities just to have fun. And let's put them all into a cabin. And maybe there's about 20 of them. And you just separate the melancholics to the phlegmatic, to the choleric, to the sanguine. They all get together. And the golden retrievers are over here. That's the phlegmatic. And they're the type of people that would just sit down by the fire with a cozy blanket over their lap perhaps even reading a book. 
And if they are in a conversation, they would have a conversation over tea. The beaver, which is the melancholy, would be sitting around together, around a table, and they would have a spreadsheet. And they would have everybody read these spreadsheets so that everybody knows their place and their jobs and what they are going to do every 30 minutes. Know people like that? That's the spreadsheet person. And then you have a lion, which is the choleric. And this lion would get cabin fever very quickly. And they would start to think about, how can I make this place better? They start to have a renovation project. And they began to assign tasks to different people and, and things that they could make better, things that they can redo. But the problem is they would have a hard time finding certain people, which is the otter, which is the sanguine, because the sanguines are out taking out squirrels with their slingshots. Four personalities. And just think, we're supposed to be united? Everybody believes in what they feel is important. See how complicated it is in humanity? Which one was Jesus? He was an otter. But he was also a lion. He was also a beaver. He was also a golden retriever. But don't forget, he was also an otter. He was playful. Remember that you and I, and we talk about this a lot, where we are in the image of God. And being that you like a joke, you like a good joke, don't you? You like to pull some pranks. You like to be playful. Why? Because that's the way the Father is and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are created in their image. And that's why you like to be playful. That's why you do some of the things that you do. You are created in his image. The author, John Eldridge, talks about going through a gallery in London. I love galleries. And uh, he was going through this gallery, and, and the paintings were all from the Middle Ages. Now, during that time in the Middle Ages, there were uh, a lot of religious themes that were going on. And so he went and looked at the hundreds of paintings and pictures of Jesus and he comes and walks out and he says, you know, after all these paintings, I did not see one painting of Jesus smiling. Not one. Art has a lot to do with our attitude. Has a lot to do with what is inside. And most of us have grown up, if you're my age, we just have never really seen a picture of Jesus smiling or being playful or laughing. Sad, isn't it? There's a movie that came out a while back. <coughs> it was more than a while back. It was quite a few years ago. And this movie was entitled The Visual Bible of the Gospel of Matthew. And the person who played Jesus was Bruce Massiano. And he did a remarkable job of depicting Jesus, and he smiled through the whole story. 
In fact, he was kind of a joker. He, he was a playful person. He was very serious, but he also was playful. And I love some of those scenes. There's only a few that I can remember, but, but him walking into the marketplace, and there's this big old jar filled with water. And he goes, and he starts splashing his disciples, and then he runs off. Another time he was walking with his buddies down the lake. He pushes one of them into the lake. And some of us who didn't grow up thinking of the playfulness of Jesus, we would think, well, that's not in the Gospels. That's not what Jesus did. You got to use your imagination. Because Jesus was human. And he loved a good prank. He loved a good joke. He loved to be playful. You can learn a lot about an artist by looking at their art. You can see how they are feeling at maybe at that time what they were going through. It could be a happy picture. It can be a dark picture. It can be a playful picture. But we understand the artist as we look at their art. Look at John 1.3, if we can put that up there. It says, through him, Christ, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. Pretty simple. Colossians 1 talks about everything is sustained by him, by Christ. He created all things. He sustains all things. In fact, what, what is the word that we use in breathing here at Creekside? When you breathe. Every breath you breathe is Christological air. <laughs> you know, he just sustains you. He's the one that, that brings that, that sustains the oxygen so that you can breathe. So if you want to learn about an artist, you look at their art. If you want to learn a little bit more about Jesus, the creator, you look at his art. Now, let's just look at some of the art. I think he got bored a little bit. And he says, no, no, let's keep it on that first one. He said, no, this, whatever this is, it looks too normal, too natural. I'm going to pull his nose. So he yanks the nose to make it a little bit different. Look at the next picture. Let's look at this fella. Beautiful. Things might have been boring that day. And so Jesus said, I'm going to put a little bit of color in this. Isn't that beautiful? I don't even know what it is. This is the imagination of Jesus. Look at the next fella. This is a mole. Is that right? I think it was Abby who told me it's a mole. I have no idea what this is, but that's the mouth. That is weird. That is funny. Jesus was having a heyday. This, are you serious? Jesus, what are you thinking about? You see, when I see the art of Jesus, I see his playfulness. I see his imagination. I see that him getting into this clay and his paintbrushes, and he's doing all kinds of weird stuff, because I tell you what, Abby and I were going through all the different pictures of the oddest animals I mean, from sea creatures to land creatures to the air, they, there are some weird, weird pictures. And I think Jesus was just having a lot of fun. He is playful. 
playful. That's who he was. That's who he is. That's what the Father and the Holy Spirit, Jesus, before creation, they were playful. They loved each other. There was fun. There was adventure. Isn't that interesting to think of Christ in that, in that sense? You ever see birds play? We get a lot of birds over at the house there and there. I love to watch them play. I mean, you think they're mad at each other, but man, they're just going at it. How about squirrels? You ever just watch squirrels begin to play? They're playful. I was up hiking in the mountains yesterday, and um, I was sitting on a rock, and all of a sudden this crazy, well, a hummingbird came. I thought, okay, this is interesting because I was pondering about this message. Hummingbird came, and I don't see a lot of hummingbirds a lot of time, and I love them. And then all of a sudden, here comes this grasshopper, and it's making all this noise, this irritating noise from its wing, and it's just flying around me. I'm thinking, oh, man, it was irritating. Then another one came, and then another one came, and they started flying everywhere. Then another one came. There were five grasshoppers that were just right around me, no more than five feet around, just going in and out playfully. And all this racket, all this noise. And I was just thinking about this. I'm thinking, okay, I can see the picture of Christ in this. Playful. There's stories within the Gospels. And we find Jesus interacting with people with all different personalities. Sometimes he's a beaver, and sometimes he's a golden retriever, and some, sometimes he's a lion but don't forget, he's also an otter. Sometimes within the scriptures, and we don't see it because we're not looking for it and we're not using our imagination, he's playful. There's a familiar story within John, John 21, and it's right after the resurrection. And... Um, Jesus is telling his buddies, his disciples, to go down to the Sea of Galilee and to go wait for him. And so they go and they wait for him, but they get tired of waiting for him. And so Peter says, I've got to go and do something. I'm going fishing. So Peter goes and he fishes and he says, if you want to come along, come along. So they follow him. And there they got the boat, got, went out about 100 yards from from shore, and they started to fish. Peter is a lion. He's a leader. People follow. And so as, as they were out there, they didn't catch any fish. They're out there all night. Let's see what Jesus says. And verse 4 says, Early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus and he called out to, to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. Now, I think Jesus, and there's lessons in here, but we're not going to go there. We're looking at the playfulness of Jesus. I think Jesus was going to have a little fun. Look how casual Jesus is on this. When I walk by somebody and they're fishing in the lake or in a river or whatnot, and I'm near them, I say, Hey, got anything? Caught anything? And they say, nope. Or they may say, yeah, we got two. It's a casual time. 
There's nothing serious about it. He's just asking that question, did you catch anything? Now, what was the mood of Jesus during this time? I think he was happy. Remember when he was in Gethsemane, right before the cross, he was sad. But this is after the cross. This is after the resurrection, and I think he's happy. And he's happy to spend time with his buddies down by the lake. The disciples, they weren't so happy. They were hungry. They were tired. And they were frustrated. They had no fish. Six and seven. So Jesus says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the Lord's number of fish. Then the, disciples whom Jesus, then the disciple whom Jesus loved, which was John, said to Peter, It is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. In other words, Jesus was fishing with his boxers. It's kind of what guys did, I guess, back then. Might be a new trend. So here it is. In verse 8, he says, The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. And they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. They saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. So Jesus meets them at the beach. And he not only, not only cooks breakfast for them, but he serves them. Let's go on with the story. And Jesus said, bring some of the fish that you have caught. And so Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. And it was full of large, large fish, 153 of them. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them and did the same, and did the same with the fish. Here it is. Use your imagination. I know there's lessons here, but let's have playfulness with Jesus. I think Jesus was having some fun here. And he wanted them to relax. They were tired. They were sleepy. His otter is beginning to show. There's 153 fish. I don't know how many commentators I've read trying to understand 153, and they are stretching it. It never resonates, maybe because I'm just not that smart. I can't figure it out. But why in the world is there 153 fish? And, and if you don't try to get all theological about it, and you just say, I think Jesus just wanted to be playful, that kind of resonates with me. That may be unsacred to some people, but I think he would just be in playful. He was having fun with them. Now, there's a couple of options here that we can think through. Once they got into the net, or the net, to shore, this was the livelihood. And so they would uh, get paid by how many fish they had. And so here, they were counting the fish. One, two, 
three, four. And Jesus is standing on the shore line with a spatula in his hands. And he says, guys, breakfast is getting cold. The other option is this. Is that they come, they bring the fish, the fish is on shore, and they wanted to count the fish, and someone says, Jesus, don't you know? Could you tell us how many fish there are? Or maybe Jesus didn't say anything before they start counting. He says, guys, guys, there's 153. Well, how did you know that, Jesus? Well, duh. You just called me Lord. Use your imagination. But this was, a, when, when I read that and I began to use my imagination and not get all theological and doctrine and everything else and just seeing Jesus having fun, I think Jesus was just standing on the shore with a spatula in his hand ready to eat breakfast. And he says, guys, it's about time. And I think that's why I really think he just told him, there's 153, don't worry about it, breakfast is on the table. Let's go and eat. You see the playfulness of Jesus. And I think the disciples, I think they just started laughing. It was a funny moment. It was a playful moment. You see, this, this is a huge thing here. And I read this somewhere. If, if you see Jesus in the laughter, you will see him every day. Or at least most every day. If you're looking for Jesus in the laughter. If you're looking for the playfulness of Jesus, you're going to see him every day. Let me give you another story. And this is found in Matthew chapter 17. In Matthew chapter 17, it is before the cross, and Peter was by himself. And uh, it says in verse 24... He says, after Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Now, this is a cultural thing. So we're not going to get deep into it. It's a cultural thing where, where every year annually they had to pay a temple tax. And so the question was asked, and then Peter says, yes. When they asked, does Jesus... Does your teacher pay the temple tax? He says, yes, he does. And then when Peter came to the house, Jesus was the first to speak. He says, what do you think, Simon? He asked, for whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes, from their own children or from others? And what he's basically, let's read verse 26. Uh, Peter answered, from others. Then the children are exempt. Now what's happening here is, is Peter was saying, because we don't belong to the temple, we don't need to pay the taxes, etc., etc., etc. And so Jesus says in verse 27, he said, But so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake and throw out the line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin, and take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Jesus, I think it's being playful. I really do. I have, again, read through commentators, trying to understand a coin in the mouth of a fish. 
And I have heard some translations or some interpretations of this that are just, they're just, I mean, they were serious when they were interpreting. This is what Jesus meant. I'm thinking, wow, you're really going out there. I think, and I could be wrong, I think Jesus was just being playful. When he said, catch a fish, open its mouth, and you're going to find some coins in there. I think Jesus, or I think Peter, I think he just chuckled and he says, are you serious? <laughs> I mean, seriously, are you serious? That doesn't happen. And so Peter goes out anyway. He thought this was kind of awkward, but he goes out anyways. He goes along, he, he goes to the shore where he use, usually fishes. It's a place where he is most comfortable and, and I see him sitting on the sand and he, and he throws out his line. Didn't catch anything. Throws it out again. Bam, there's a hook. It hooks on a fish. And so he's reeling in this line, pulling in this line. I'm thinking, what is Peter thinking during this time? <laughs> no way. No way. A coin in a fish's mouth. No way. This is so stupid. Is anybody watching me? Now? I mean, use your imagination. Be creative because they're human. They're like us. And, I'm, and, and so there's kind of this enthusiasm, this kind of excitement that he was pulling in the line. And finally he grabs the fish and the fish's mouth is closed. And courageously he opens the mouth of the fish and he screams out, no way, no way, no way, no way. And I think he just started to belly laugh. I think he just laughed and laughed because that is funny. That's a funny thing. Why did Jesus do that? If Jesus was not an otter, if he was not playful, you've got to explain why Jesus is doing this. Could it be that Jesus is just having a little fun with Peter. Because Peter, if you see the context, he was on edge. He, he was getting frustrated, and Jesus just wanted to settle him down. And so he sent him to a place that he's most comfortable, and he did this so that Peter could just laugh. And I think Peter did. See, if you see Jesus in the laughter, you see him every day. John Eldridge wrote the book, uh, the, um, the Beautiful Outlaw, what was the name of it? And uh, he said he was practicing this thing of, of um, uh, looking for hearts that were tangible expressions of the love of God. And so he would go to stores, he would go all, all kinds of places, and he was he just wanted to practice this discipline of looking at the hearts. How is the love of God being expressed through them? Regardless if they're a believer or not, he just because God lives in all of us, and so he wanted to see the expression of God in the hearts of other people. And after a while, he stopped looking at the hearts of other people because he got cynical. And so being that he got he stopped looking, he was cynical, he just stopped seeing. And that's what happens when we're not looking, we don't see. We're not going to find it. And so one day, he was out bow hunting. 
And he's walking across this, this pasture. And it just dawned upon him that he hadn't been looking at hearts as an expression of God's love. And so he tells Jesus as he was walking through this pasture, and he says, um, Jesus, you have not shown me any hearts recently. And he took two more steps, and to describe it the way John described it, he said, there was a plate-sized dried cow pie that he stepped into in the perfect shape of a heart. I didn't know if we were going to show this. <laughs> but, but, here, but here it is, in the perfect shape of a heart. And he steps right into it, and he just starts laughing and laughing and laughing. You see, if, if you don't see that Jesus is playful and that he wants to have fun, you can misinterpret this. And John got the lesson. He says, when you're looking for it, you'll find it. And it's like, and the reason he started laughing, he, he says, he said, Jesus, it, it's like he just dropped that cow pie right in front of him so he could step in it. And he says, you want a heart? Here it is, baby. <laughs> it's everywhere. The playfulness of Jesus. If you see Jesus in the laughter, you'll see him every day. There's not a formula to laugh. There's a season, as Ecclesiastes says, a time to mourn, time to laugh. I get that. But I think we have missed the playfulness of Jesus. And I think the first thing, without trying to go into formulas and everything else, I mean, I truly wish, and maybe you have one, and that's wonderful, but I think, first of all, give yourself permission to laugh. Some of us can't remember the last time we belly laughed or that we just laughed. And maybe because we experience some pain in our life, sometimes we experience grief, a lot of grief, and we're, we're, we've been going through it, man, haven't we, for two, three years? And we're not laughing. And sometimes there's not a whole lot to laugh at, but laughing is a gift. When I was in Oregon, Barbara and I were coming back, and we were uh, passing La Grande, coming back home, and out to the south, there, there were the Blue Mountains, beautiful mountain range. And as we were passing through the mountain, the Blue Mountains, my mind reminisced back to when my cousin and my uncle and myself were out in Anthony Lake camping in the snow for a couple of days. And I was, as, as I was just reminiscing about our time together, and I was grieving over my uncle, I was grieving over my mom and dad, both deceased, and, and I was just missing them because we were in that area in Oregon. And I thought about all the silly things that we did. My uncle mentored me all my life. And so he was very dear to my heart. But that night, we just started laughing and laughing and laughing. And I don't even know why we were laughing, but we were laughing so hard 
You ever laugh so hard your stomach just aches? Well, it was aching, and because our stomach was in such pain, that caused us to laugh even more. And I began to just laugh inside of me. I couldn't explain it to Barb because she wasn't there, and she wouldn't get it, and it kind of ruined the moment because you got, there's some things you just have to be there that are so funny, but it's not funny when you, when you tell it. And I began to laugh and inside, and I began to think, you know, this is really what mom and dad and my uncle would want of me to learn and to never give up is to laugh because they are in a place where there's no mourning, where there's no crying. And it's like the message of my uncle was said, this is a gift from heaven. This is a gift. Don't let go of it. This is a gift. Learn to laugh. Laugh. Don't take yourself so serious. You know, another thing, just listen to your children as Tom comes up. Listen to your children. Listen to your grandchildren. Just very simple things because this is in my life right now. I've got grandchildren. I mean, you know, kids are just being born right and left. (laughs) And it's like they say, the children say the funniest things. They don't have filters. They just cry whenever they want to cry, (laughs) as you just heard. That's what gets them into trouble is when they just, because they don't have any filters, but they do say the funniest things. And let me just laugh, laugh, listen to them, watch them. As I watch my grandbabies, and they're learning to crawl, and they're learning to walk, and just to watch them as they watch uh, Miss Rachel, which is a popular one for babies, It is hilarious. It is funny. Laugh. Learn to laugh. And some of the things that they say, listen because it might be for you. Out of the mouths of babies. And I want to close with this. Read the Gospels with an eye for the playfulness of Jesus. Look how he approaches people. So many different ways. Sometimes it's a beaver. Sometimes it's a retriever. Sometimes it's a lion. And you see all the different personalities of Jesus within the scriptures. But don't forget, he's also an otter. He's playful. He's fun. He likes to make people think through a joke. Somebody said this, it's impossible to not experience joy in laughter. Isn't that cool? It's impossible to not have joy in a good belly laugh. So maybe what we need to do is just go and be really dumb this week. And we need to go and just maybe watch a really stupid movie like Dumb and Dumber. And if you don't laugh and then go to the second movie, Dumb and Dumber, it's probably, it, it is, it's, it's even dumber. And, 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 and if you don't laugh, let me suggest another movie for you, okay? And this movie is so stupid. It's the stupidest movie on the planet of the earth in the universe. Napoleon Dynamite. It is so stupid, so dumb. You're not going to want to keep watching it. If you're not laughing, then you're a beaver. It's okay. God made us all different. 
but have the otter come out of you. Let's laugh. Learn to laugh. Let's pray. Help us, Lord, to appreciate that an essential way that you love us is to embrace us with a smile and to invite us to be playful with you in our day-to-day life and work. Help us not to be so burdened down with problems and worries and pains that so many of us face on a daily basis that we miss out on the opportunity of a lifetime and that is just to be in your midst in the midst of our stress in the midst of our pain our worries, our concerns Father, to take this opportunity and to participate with you in your joy-filled kingdom that is going on all around us all the time. In Jesus' name.